Welcome to Bite at a Time Books, where we read you your favorite classics one bite at a time. My name is Brie Carlisle, and I love to read and wanted to share my passion with listeners like you. If you want to know what's coming next and vote on upcoming books, sign up for our newsletter at biteatatimebooks.com. You'll also find our new t-shirts in the shop, including podcast shirts and quote shirts from your favorite classic novels. Be sure to follow my show on your favorite podcast platform so you get all the new episodes. You can find most of our links in the show notes. But also our website, biteatatimebooks.com, includes all of the links for our show, including to our Patreon to support the show, and YouTube, where we have special behind-the-narration of the episodes. We're part of the Bite at a Time Books Productions Network. If you'd also like to hear what inspired your favorite classic authors to write their novels— and what was going on in the world at the time, check out the Bite at a Time books behind the story podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Please note, while we try to keep the text as close to the original as possible, some words have been changed to honor the marginalized communities who've identified the words as harmful and to stay in alignment with Bite at a Time books' brand values. Today we'll be continuing Anne's House of Dreams by Lucy Maud Montgomery. Chapter 32. Miss Cornelia Discusses the Affair And do you mean to tell me, Anne Dearie, that Dick Moore has turned out not to be Dick Moore at all, but somebody else? Is that what you phoned up to me today? Yes, Miss Cornelia. It is very amazing, isn't it? It's... it's... just like a man, said Miss Cornelia helplessly. She took off her hat with trembling fingers... For once in her life, Miss Cornelia was undeniably staggered. I can't seem to sense it, Anne, she said. I've heard you say it, and I believe you, but I can't take it in. Dick Moore is dead, has been dead all these years, and Leslie is free? Yes, the truth has made her free. Gilbert was right when he said that verse was the grandest in the Bible. Tell me everything, Anne, dearie. Since I got your phone, I've been in a regular muddle, believe me. Cornelia Bryant was never so kerflummoxed before. There isn't a very great deal to tell. Leslie's letter was short. She didn't go into particulars. This man, George Moore, has recovered his memory and knows who he is. He says Dick took yellow fever in Cuba, and the four sisters had to sail without him. George stayed behind to nurse him but he died very shortly afterwards. George did not write Leslie because he intended to come right home and tell her himself. And why didn't he? I suppose his accident must have intervened. Gilbert says it is quite likely that George Moore remembers nothing of his accident, or what led to it, and may never remember it. It probably happened very soon after Dick's death. We may find out more particulars when Leslie writes again. Does she say what she is going to do? When is she coming home? She says she will stay with George Moore until he can leave the hospital. She's written to his people in Nova Scotia. It seems that George's only near relative is a married sister much older than himself. She was living when George sailed on the Four Sisters. But of course, we do not know what may have happened since. Did you ever see George Moore, Miss Cornelia? I did. It's all coming back to me. He was here visiting his uncle Abner 18 years ago, when he and Dick would be about 17. They were double cousins, you see. Their fathers were brothers and their mothers were twin sisters, and they did look a terrible lot alike. Of course. 
added Miss Cornelia scornfully. It wasn't one of those freak resemblances you read of in novels where two people are so much alike that they can fill each other's places, and their nearest and dearest can't tell between them. In those days, you could tell easy enough which was George and which was Dick, if you saw them together, and near at hand. Apart or some distance away, it wasn't so easy. They played lots of tricks on people and thought it great fun, the two scamps. George Moore was a little taller and a good deal fatter than Dick, though neither of them was what you would call fat. They were both of the lean kind. Dick had higher color than George, and his hair was a shade lighter, but their features were just alike, and they both had that queer freak of eyes, one blue and one hazel. They weren't much alike in any other way, though. George was a real nice fellow, though he was a scalawag for mischief, and some said he had a liking for a glass even then. But everybody liked him better than Dick. He spent about a month here. Leslie never saw him. She was only about eight or nine then, and I remember now that she spent that whole winter over harbor with her grandmother West. Captain Jim was away too. That was the winter he was wrecked on the Magdalene's. I don't suppose either he or Leslie had ever heard about the Nova Scotia cousin looking so much like Dick. Nobody ever thought of him when Captain Jim brought Dick. George, I should say, home. Of course, we all thought Dick had changed considerable. He'd got so lumpish and fat, but we put that down to what had happened to him, and no doubt that was the reason. For, as I've said, George wasn't fat to begin with either, and there was no other way we could have guessed, for the man's senses were clean gone. I can't see that it is any wonder we were all deceived, but it's a staggering thing, and Leslie has sacrificed the best years of her life to nursing a man who hadn't any claim on her. Oh, drat the men. No matter what they do, it's the wrong thing. And no matter who they are, it's somebody they shouldn't be. They do exasperate me. Gilbert and Captain Jim are men, and it is through them that the truth has been discovered at last, said Anne. Well, I admit that, conceded Miss Cornelia reluctantly. I'm sorry I raked the doctor off so. It's the first time in my life I've ever felt ashamed of anything I said to a man. I don't know as I shall tell him so, though. He'll just have to take it for granted. Well, Anne, dearie, it's a mercy the Lord doesn't answer all our prayers. I've been praying hard right along that the operation wouldn't cure Dick. Of course, I didn't put it just quite so plain, but that was what was in the back of my mind, and I have no doubt the Lord knew it. Well, he has answered the spirit of your prayer. You really wish that things shouldn't be made any harder for Leslie. I'm afraid that in my secret heart, I've been hoping the operation wouldn't succeed, and I'm wholesomely ashamed of it. How does Leslie seem to take it? She writes like one dazed. I think that, like ourselves, she hardly realizes it yet. She says it all seems like a strange dream to me, Anne. That is the only reference she makes to herself. Poor child. I suppose when the chains are struck off a prisoner, he'd feel queer and lost without them for a while. And, dearie, here's a thought keeps coming into my mind. What about Owen Ford? We both know Leslie was fond of him. Did it ever occur to you that he was fond of her? It did once, admitted Anne, feeling that she might say so much. Well, I hadn't any reason to think he was, but it just appeared to me he must be. Now, Anne, dearie, the Lord knows I'm not a matchmaker, and I scorn all such doings. But if I were you and writing to that Ford man, I'd just mention casual-like what has happened. That is what I'd do. Of course I will mention it when I write him, said Anne, a trifle distantly. Somehow this was a thing she could not discuss with Miss Cornelia. 
And yet she had to admit that the same thought had been lurking in her mind ever since she had heard of Leslie's freedom. But she would not desecrate it by free speech. Of course, there's no great rush, dearie, but Dick Moore's been dead for 13 years, and Leslie has wasted enough of her life for him. We'll just see what comes of it. As for this George Moore, who's gone and come back to life when everyone thought he was dead and done for, just like a man, I'm real sorry for him. He won't seem to fit in anywhere. He's still a young man, and if he recovers completely, as seems likely, he'll be able to make a place for himself again. It must be very strange for him, poor fellow. I suppose all these years since his accident will not exist for him. Thank you for joining Bite at a Time Books today, while we read a bite of one of your favorite classics. Again, my name is Brie Carlisle, and I hope you come back tomorrow for the next bite of Anne's House of Dreams. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at biteatatimebooks.com and check out the shop. You can check out the show notes or our website, biteatatimebooks.com, for the rest of the links for our show. We'd love to hear from you on social media as well.